You know, when we talk about peace at Christmas time or at other times, it calls to our mind what we long for in this world, and that is a world peace. That um, where we, we study war no more, as the old spiritual said. But today in this focus, I want us to think about a different kind of peace, and that's an inner peace. That's the gift of peace that I think our babe in Bethlehem came to show God reaching out to us to give us a peace, a peace. And I know every time we gather here, there are those who come with different experiences of peace or, or, um, or longings for peace, maybe a better way to put it. There are those of us who are, 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 are dealing with things that make us anxious. Uh, maybe that's a, a, a diagnosis that we've recently had, or maybe it's a loved one who is uh, ill, or, or maybe it's a recent death that you've had in your family, or maybe it's some sort of, of trouble at work or trouble uh, with those you love. It, there is all kinds of issues that, 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 uh, that compete for the peace that Christ came to bring us. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse, King James Version style, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So today I want us to focus on that personal longing piece and I want us to focus on it via the, uh, the nativity story that comes out of the book of Matthew. Some people call it the second version of the nativity story because it's Luke's version that has the shepherds and the sheep and the stable and all of that uh, beautiful scene of Christmas that's in our minds. And Matthew takes that story in a little different direction. Now, a, a thing that we have in common with the two is, of course, you have Mary and Joseph and Jesus in both stories. And you also have an angel that appears in Luke to Mary, in Matthew to Joseph. And that angel carries a word to each of them. And that word is, be not afraid. Be not afraid. And then the angel shares with them different messages and different versions that both lead to a sense of inner peace about the circumstance that they are facing. So I'd like for us to turn at this time to Matthew, the first chapter, beginning with the 18th verse. We'll read through the 25th verse. And I want you to hear the word of the angel to Joseph, and I want you to hear what Paul wrote to the Philippian church, to the church here in Dallas called Lover's Lane. The peace that passes understanding. Let that be our gift today. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I love this version because the angel speaks to Joseph in this version. And it puts us in touch with what Joseph may have been feeling in the sense of this circumstance of of him just about to be married to to, to Mary and all of a sudden coming onto the scene is this unexpected word of Mary uh, expecting a child. So the messiness starts with Joseph finding out about Mary and this baby-to-be and knowing that they hadn't had any relations. He wasn't going to publicly disgrace her because that tells us something about his integrity and the kind of man that, that, that Joseph was. But he wasn't going to marry her either. He was going to quietly dismiss her, the Scripture says. So we know that this sense of of unrest in Joseph must have been uh, incredible. Not to mention what the unrest would have been like for Mary because if she had been found um, to be with child and without a husband, it could mean death to her by the Levitical law or at best ostracized by those who knew her. So Joseph is pondering this when this angel comes to him and says, do not be afraid, let me explain. What's going on here? And this great man of faith, Joseph, he accepts what the angel says to him and his role that he was to play. And the message that was so important that the angel said to Joseph, for this baby, this one who is being expected now, is the one who will save his people from their sins. And when the angel spoke about the name Jesus, which is translated from Joshua, which means um, that God will save uh, his people or, or God saves, we hear this important message about peace that comes to us in a saving way. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to first talk about this announcement of salvation from the angel of the Lord that brings this message not only of the birth of Jesus, but also brings this message of peace that comes by way of the gift of forgiveness. Jesus comes, as the angel said, to save us from our sins, to wipe out the blot of evil that separates imperfect people from a holy God, to pave that role of reconciliation that Jesus came to bring to each and every one of us to to restore a right relationship with God, one that God longs for and one that brings us peace through the power 
of forgiveness. Forgiveness is that first gift that God wants us to hear about, that Jesus comes to save us from our sin. And that's the gift that brings peace. Forgiveness happens because God moves toward us and offers us the gift. I want us to hear that. We worship a a proactive God, a God who is on the move, a God who is not just sitting sitting back with this gift of, of forgiveness that Uh, that that he's in some way keeping from us, but God comes to us in the form of a babe of Bethlehem and a proclamation that God has come to us with the offer of this babe, this Jesus, as an offering of peace. And this one who comes, comes to bring us forgiveness. You know, when we look at the the larger Judeo-Christian story and we look at what God has done throughout this story to reach out to humanity... We realize that first God started with covenants and with the giving of the law. But neither one worked to bring about salvation. And then God introduced the establishment of kings and prophets. But this approach too was not the full approach of salvation. And finally when the time was right, God sent his son to define once and for all the love that he had for the world and the relationship that God wants for us that establishes that right relationship with God, our salvation through forgiveness. In Galatians, the fourth chapter, the fourth and the fifth verse, we read these words from Paul. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as his children. Did you realize the nativity story was talked about in Galatians? It is. It's talked about in the same sense that the angel talked to Joseph about it. It's talked about in the sense that this one who has come to save us is the one who has brought about an understanding of peace through the gift of forgiveness. Some of us need to hear that word today. For we feel that separation. We may feel the weight of whatever sin that might be. And we need to hear that our peace is in a gift of forgiveness from God. The second gift I think that we see in this passage today is the one that comes directly to Joseph. The one that we can see not so much in the words that are written in the scripture but in the context of the scripture. And that is the gift of peace that we receive through an understanding of our acceptance from God. Paul Tillich, one of the theological giants of the 20th century, said this. The fundamental religious act is acceptance. We must accept the fact that we are accepted. You hear that? The most fundamental act of our religion, what brings us here today, what is the foundation of our worship, is that we accept the fact that we are accepted by God. God wants to wipe every sin away from our lives. And God wants to make sure that we understand our place, this amazing place of being accepted by God. The good news of great joy for all people is that you're accepted 
accept it. You know, we see how God feels about us um, in, in, in the words of, of, of preachers sometime. I read uh, a story that I had read in the past, but again, this year as I was going through some Christmas material, it caused me to chuckle a little bit, and then there was this profound truth about acceptance that I want to share with you. It was written by Pastor Wayne uh, uh, Coderio. Don, I think you've met him in Washington, is Washington State. Yeah, Washington State, a great writer, and he conveys this story about his little uh, granddaughter, little daughter named Amy, a preschool daughter. And by the way, did I tell y'all that Claire Bear crawled yesterday? <laughs> I've got a video to prove it. And I asked for permission to share it with the world, and there was no answer. So I'll have to keep it to myself. But I can relate, again, to what it means when a little one that you love is, is performing some, really not a grand feat, but it's, it's one that really does bring a sense of peace to your heart. Such was the case with little Amy. He said that parents and grandparents were crammed into this room. All of them had their form of video or our, our photography on hand and this Christmas concert was about to commence and, and these little uh, four-year-olds were coming into the room. Uh, they were being helped by uh, parents who were backstage parents and the, the teacher was ready to lead them in their singing of joy to the world. He said as the, the children were taking their place on the risers that they were doing what children that age do. They were seeing their parents and grandparents and saying, hi mommy. Hey, granddaddy. And, and all of them were uh, somewhat distracted as the teacher was trying to get them uh, ready to sing Joy to the World. And there was one little kid on the back, a little boy who was quite anxious and uh, wasn't very focused. And, and, and Cardero said that, that he actually fell off the back of the riser and brought about four or five other little boys with him. None of the kids were hurt. But there was a lot of crying going on while joy to the world was continuing to be said. He said the teacher didn't miss a beat. She just kept leading the kids in joy to the world. He said it was a chaotic experience. And he said, and there we were all filming this, all taking pictures. And when they got through with Joy to the World, he said all of us, the entire audience, rose to our feet in a standing ovation. He said when all of the clapping was done, he said, I thought to myself, we just gave a standing ovation to the worst concert I've ever witnessed. We took pictures of the worst concert I've ever seen. But wasn't Amy wonderful? And then reflecting on the concert, Wayne said this. Why in the world did I applaud? It wasn't because of their performance. It was terrible. It was because that was my little girl up there. I applauded them based not on performance, but on relationship. And when I was thinking about that, it was as if the Lord again reminded me, Wayne, that's why I applaud you. 
It has nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with the fact that I desire to be in relationship with you because you're my kid. I hope we hear that. Now, I know we're most of us adults in the room. I hope we hear that we are God's kid. And we not only hear it, but we accept it. It's not based on your performance, God's love for you, God's acceptance of you. It's based on who you are and the relationship God desires with all of us. In the book, A Gentle Thunder, Max Lucado gives a classic expression of the gift of acceptance. He said, One of the sweetest reasons God saved you is because he's fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing coming down the pike. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. And whenever you want to talk, God's there to listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he's chosen to live in your heart. And the Christmas gift that he sent you in Bethlehem, face it, friend. He's crazy about you. Do you hear it? I mean, do you really hear it? Most importantly, do you accept it? That this babe of Bethlehem had a mission and has a mission still. And it is to redeem the world. To save God's people from their sins, from their separation from God. He came at just the right time to make it happen. I want to show y'all something. Do y'all see my socks? Even in the back, you can see those socks. These are my George Bush socks. I really got in the spirit this week. And, and perhaps you did too. And we had plenty of opportunities, didn't we? Lots of footage of 41 and his family and our nation gathering for mourning. And then when it was finally over, there at College Station on the campus of A&M University, President Bush was laid to rest, as we say. And he was beside Barbara and their daughter, Robin who died years and years ago, and yet her story we still hear. Their little four-year-old daughter, Robin, died with leukemia. I was struck by what one commentator said. He said that Barbara and George Bush never got over the death of Robin. It wasn't like it was an unhealthy thing, but they never forgot Robin and the pain of losing her. 
And I thought to myself, I don't doubt that a bit. Can you imagine a greater peace robber than the loss of a child? Some of you know that experience and you know what I'm saying. And and so I want to close this sermon with this story. I want us to try to get into the mindset of what is robbing your peace. What has you captivated on that that separates you from that peace that God wants for all of us? God's saying, is it your sin? Well, here's forgiveness. Is it it who you are? Well, here, and, and, and you're thinking you're unworthy? Here's acceptance. Is it something that you can't fix that is beyond your ability? And and you have no idea how the peace that passes understanding will come in on this scene. Another mother who had a six-year-old boy named Billy who was dying from leukemia. Her heart was full of sadness and peace was distant from her, but she knew that she wanted to take whatever matter she could into her own hands, and so she asked little Billy, Billy, have you thought about what you want to be when you grow up? Now, that's a hard question for a mother to ask when they know their child's not going to grow up. And Billy said, with all the confidence in the world that he would do this, I want to be a fireman. So this mom got on the phone. She called the fire department of Phoenix, Arizona, and she was given to a fireman named Fireman Bob who happened to be over the fire station there in their neighborhood. And she explained her son's final wish that he wanted to be a fireman. And Fireman Bob said, well, I can, I can, I can help you there. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to get me his measurements. I want to... I want to get a fire suit for him. It's equipped with one of those yellow uh, slickers and some fire rubber boots. And, and, and I want him to feel like he looks like a fireman too. Can you have him ready next Monday at, at 7.30? I'll come by and pick him up. I want him to have the full experience of a fireman for a day. And sure enough, at 7.30, Fireman Bob shows up and is introduced to little Billy and he gives Billy his new fire suit with the rubber boots and Billy puts it on and then they head down to the fire station. And that day, little Billy, he not only ate with the firemen for breakfast, but that day he got to ride the hook and ladder truck. He he got to go on three fire calls, one in the fire and ladder truck and one in the paramedics van and, and the other with the fire chief himself. He had one of those days that you'd never forget. And not only that, but the local television station got news of it. And they filmed it. And so all of Phoenix knew about Billy's story. This little boy dying with leukemia. And his mother reaching out to the firemen of Phoenix. And their response. It was a day that made Billy so happy. And got his mother just a little bit closer to peace. Billy lived three months longer than the doctor said he would. 
But on the night that his vital signs were beginning to drop dramatically, the head nurse called the hospice nurse and and sure enough they concluded that he only had hours, maybe a day, maybe two to live. So this mother called the fireman Bob and she told of Billy's um, condition and he said let me make a few calls and he made a few calls to the proper authorities with the city and with the hospital and then he called her back and said look we're going to be there you're going to hear the fire the the uh, the, the sirens and we're going to we're going to we're going to put the the ladder right up to the window of Billy's room and, and then we're going to come in 16 of us climb the ladder and could we hug him she said yeah sure enough a few minutes later here comes the fire truck blasting and the ladder extended and through that open window these firemen go each of them hugging little Billy and then the fire chief said something to Billy he said Billy do you feel like a fireman And Billy said, I feel like one chief, but am I really a fireman now? And the chief said, Billy, you are. And the head fire chief, Jesus, is holding your hand. And Billy said with a smile, I know. He's been holding my hand all day. And I've heard angels sing. And then he closed his little eyes a few minutes later and took his last breath. And his mother's gift was the gift of an abiding peace that day. She, like the bushes, perhaps never got over Billy's death. But she, like the bushes, had that peace that faith can bring that allows you to move forward knowing that the babe of Bethlehem reaches out his hand to you and to me and to little boys named Billy and to a world in need and says I am with you I am Emmanuel I come to bring you peace if your need is for forgiveness here it is if your need is for acceptance here it is And if your need is for God to come into your life and to fix something that's completely out of your control, there's no way that you on your own can deal with it. God is there with you always. The peace that passes understanding is your gift today. Amen.